Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Take, I don't even know. I don't even know anymore. Hey there friends, it's Sadie. Welcome back to our Golden 20s podcast. Today's episode is a solo episode and I'm so looking forward to it. I'm going to be breaking down my living expenses and also sharing how I've managed to save $30,000 in the past three years without sacrificing my lifestyle. If this is the first episode of our Golden 20s you're listening to, you should know that I typically co-host this podcast with my best friend Tegan. However, she's taken the week off and she's living her best life, soaking up the last few weeks of summer as she hops around, travels around to a few different music festivals. So we love that for her, but she'll be back next week. Um, and we'll be back to regular scheduled programming then. However, like I said, in the meantime, today's episode is a solo one. I did a solo episode earlier this year, and I talked all about what it's like to be the single friend and how I only get more insecure about my singleness the later into my 20s that I get. I was super vulnerable, or it was a kind of, I guess, difficult conversation for me to say out loud and like post on the internet for anybody to listen to, but I did it. And today I'm getting vulnerable again, talking about something that's also maybe considered a faux pas, and that is money. I do want to kick off this whole episode by saying I'm obviously not a financial expert. I'm not giving you advice for what you should do with your own personal finances, like that is not the intention of this episode at all. However, I think I come from a really interesting perspective and I want to share my experience and what I do personally with you guys because I am a single gal and it is very expensive to live life these days. I'm someone who loves to shop and I love to travel and I love to get my nails done and really spend money on myself. However, I have to balance that with being a single income household over here, paying my rent, my living expenses, as well as continuing to save money and save for my future and my retirement. So I'm coming from all of this from a different perspective than what you maybe usually hear it from. 
I also think I've implied that I'm not a frugal person. And if you listen to this podcast all the time, you know I'm not a frugal person. Like I've spent the past two years as a Rouge member at Sephora. Like, and I take pride in that. I love to shop and spend my money on myself. I love to travel. So I think this episode, really what I want to get through to you guys is there's enough time and money to do it all. And if I'm able to do it, if I'm able to save money while still traveling and living this lifestyle that I love so much, there's definitely a way for you to do it as well. I think it's also important for me to share with you guys that I come from a financially insecure family and it was deep-rooted in me and my upbringing to view money as a negative thing, something that I'll never have enough of or something that is always a burden and weighs heavy on you. I was raised by both my parents. I also have two sisters, so we were a family of five or we are a family of five. However, only my dad worked, so my mom was a stay-at-home mom And that was important to my family. And I think a lot of my character and who I am comes from being raised by a stay-at-home mom. But there's also some negative impacts, especially on the money side, where my parents fought about money. And again, it was just always a stressor in my family's life. Um, So I think what's interesting about money and financial security is that it really is not a dollar amount. It really is a mindset. And over the past few years, I've really changed my mindset around it. And I think that's what enables me to live a life or live the lifestyle that I live while still managing to save money. Um, And I'll definitely get into that a little bit more in the second part of today's episode, but I wanted to share that with you guys in case you resonate with that. Also to just acknowledge that my parents don't help me in any shape or form with money. I've never gotten financial help from my parents, not that there's anything wrong if you're someone who does receive help from your parents, but for me that just really wasn't and isn't an option so I have no I no choice I mean sorry I have no choice but to do this on my own and to make it work for myself and I'm quite proud of myself that I've managed to make it this far so now that you have all of the background on me my money mindset things like that let's jump into the first thing which is breaking down my living expenses The first bucket of living expenses that I have is what I'm calling the essentials. And this is things like my rent as well as my groceries and just regular monthly bills. So the first bulk of this category is my rent, which is $2,190 a month. I also have my groceries in this category, which is the second largest chunk, and that is I put down $800 a month, which breaks down to $200 a week. My hydro bill, aka electricity bill, if you're American and don't know what hydro is, (laughs) my electricity bill is around $50 a month, sometimes more, sometimes less. My internet comes in at $72 a month and my phone bill is $58 a month. 
So all of those things combined brings my essentials category to $3,170 a month. I wanted to just flag a few things. The first is my rent. I think that $2,190 might sound like a lot to you if you especially if you're living in a small town or not in a major city. But for Toronto, that's actually a really great price, especially considering how much space that I have. And why it's such a great price is because I've lived in my apartment for seven years and my apartment is under rent control, which means my landlord can only raise my rent maximum 3% every year. Those are two huge privileges that enable me to live in this apartment and live in the city Um, because if I were to have moved into my apartment at today's value, it would probably actually be over or around the $3,000 mark. So huge privilege that I have as much space as I do for only just under $2,200 and that rent control is also a huge privilege. Not everyone in Toronto has that, um, but it's a large reason actually why I continue to live in the apartment that I live in, even if it is a lot of space for just one person. Um, But uh, yeah, rent control is great. And something else I also wanted to flag is that through COVID, my uh, rent actually wasn't or it didn't go up at all for two years, I think it was. And then when they were able to raise rent again, it was for only, I think like one and a half percent or something like that. And all of that was to really help um, people through the pandemic when obviously things were scary, money was tight. But those are some, again, just huge privileges that come along with my apartment that I wanted to make sure I call out. On the grocery side of things, I said $200 a week or $800 a month, and not all of that is food groceries. Um, I also put things like pet food or personal care items like toilet paper, shampoo, conditioner, all of those sorts of expenses I put under the groceries category to bring us up to $200 a week or $800 a month. I have a cat, so I have to get pet food and kitty litter um, at least once a month. Also, obviously, those personal care items, they tend to all go out all at once. Um, But the weeks that I need to buy those, my grocery bill definitely goes up and reflects that. It's also worth noting that I'm someone who makes a lot of my meals at home, pretty much three meals a day, every day of the week. I and making things for myself at home. So while that saves on food delivery services, it costs me more in groceries. The last thing I also want to call out in the essentials category is that I work from home, so I no longer have a monthly transit pass, which actually saves me quite a bit of money every single month. Um, But again, it's another privilege that I have where I work from home full-time. So when I add up all of those Um, expenses under my essentials category. It brings my grand total to $3,170 a month. The next category I have is what I'm calling the second most important, and this is made up of my savings as well as monthly donations. For my savings, I put $500 of my own money into savings every month. That is kind of dispersed among a few different savings accounts, but 
I don't think I need to get into the specifics too much. All you need to know is that I have $500 of my own money going into savings. I say of my own money because I'm very lucky where my work has an RRSP match program. RRSP stands for Registered Retirement Savings Plan. Again, if you're American, you have, I think, 401ks, which are similar. But all of this to say, um, my company actually matches a certain amount of my contributions. So they contribute another $200 a month, which brings my overall savings to $700 a month. But like I said, I'm only contributing $500, and that's what's baked into this living expenses breakdown. The only other thing I have in this category is a monthly donation. I donate $20 of my money to a cause that I care about and that is important to me. So that brings the total to this category to $520 a month. The last category that I have is what I'm calling the necessary extras. And these are things that aren't required to live. However, they enrich my life beyond words and therefore I make sure I have money for them every single month. The first is obviously any type of subscription. So I subscribe to Netflix, Crave, Spotify. I also have a Canva subscription. So when I add up those monthly fees, I add it up to $69 a month. And then I also have therapy under this category, and that's because I really want to prioritize therapy once a month. Um, It's not something that I only do when I have the money for it. I want to make sure it's the other way around where I always have money for it. And my monthly therapy cost is $160 a month. So my necessary extras category comes in at $229 a month. When I add up all three of those categories, it brings my total monthly living expenses to $3,919 a month. I'm not going to get into the specifics of how much I make, but you can grab your calculator and add this up because I'm going to also share that with all of that, I have just over $900 in disposable income that I can spend on myself in a month. This is money that I am putting towards my nail appointment. I know I told you guys how important that is to me. Also, dinner and drinks with my friends, any Uber Eats, um, live music, shopping, like pretty much anything that is fun and again, shapes the lifestyle that I've been talking to you guys about. Um, I have $900 a month to do that. I think... Again, if you were a more frugal person than I am, you might think, okay, if you have $900 at the end of the month, you should up your savings or you could be donating more. However, I really try to balance everything and something that is really important to me, like I've said 7,000 times through this episode, is spending money on myself and I really don't think there's any problem with spending money on yourself. I'm consistently saving money, I'm consistently um, paying my bills and eating well, getting healthy groceries, so I don't think there should be any shame in spending money on myself as well. 
I love this segue so much because I'm now going to talk about how I saved $30,000 in the past three years and that's without sacrificing my lifestyle and still spending money on myself. $30,000 in three years might not sound like a lot to you. I know we're all coming from different financial backgrounds. We all have different financial goals. However, $30,000 is a lot for me, and it's something that I never imagined possible for myself. I didn't even start saving money or prioritizing saving money up until three years ago when the pandemic hit. I was very fortunate where I never lost my job through the pandemic. I had a steady income. Pretty much everything stayed the same for me, which I'm so, so lucky and grateful for. But it was very scary seeing my friends lose their jobs and just seeing how unpredictable the universe is, how literally in a moment's notice you could lose your job, your world could be turned upside down. And if you don't have savings to fall back on, it can really just cause a lot of stress and like I said, turn your whole world upside down. I remember thinking to myself, since I only had a little bit of savings, since it wasn't something I prioritized, I remember thinking to myself, if I were to lose my job today or tomorrow, I would have one, maybe two months worth of living expenses in my savings that I would use. Therefore, I would likely have to either move back with my parents, I could maybe, you know, get a roommate in this apartment, or I could find another apartment with a roommate, get a different job, you know, just try to make it up as I go. But I really didn't have a large amount of savings to fall back on, which means my life as I knew it would have completely changed had I lost my job. Like I said, I was very fortunate where that didn't happen, but it really motivated me to open my first RSP savings account and to start making savings and consistent contributions to my savings a bigger priority in my monthly expenses. Okay, so I now want to jump into how I managed to save that money as well as provide some tips and tricks that I still practice today in order to continue to build my savings. The first is probably obvious, but I think it's a great place to start, and that is in order to save money, you gotta make money. So my entire 20s so far, my whole post-grad life has been really dedicated to building my career and climbing corporate ladders. I think with that, my annual salary continues to build and grow, which enables me to spend more on myself, to up the amount that I save every year, to, you know, all of these things um, really are dependent on how much that I actually make at my job. I will acknowledge that I'm a white cisgendered woman, which is a privilege that has enabled me to climb corporate ladders maybe quicker than some other people, but I also take great pride in the work that I do every single day in my job and in every role that I've had. I show up, I do my absolute best work, I really immerse myself in my job, in my work, and I make sure people know who I am and they know that I have opinions and feedback and that I'm there to essentially do my absolute all. Um, And part of that is what helps qualify me, I guess, for moving my 
uh, role forward or my position forward. But I think a big part of this that I've definitely talked about on the podcast before is that I really advocate for myself at work. So yes, it's great that you show up and you do a great job at work every day. It's great if people know you're doing a great job and they know you're someone they can count on. However, a company is still a company at the end of the day and they're never going to come to you and say, hey, I think you deserve some more money. You really need to take these conversations when it comes to your salary and your growth at work by the horns and really lead that conversation yourself. I'm someone who has always had open conversations with my manager to say, hey, I'm wanting to get promoted this year. What do I need to do in order to do that? Or I've also changed jobs as a strategy to grow my income as well because oftentimes getting promoted internally is a little bit less of a raise than if you were to apply for a higher title at a different company, you can often negotiate more money for that as an external hire. So these are all things that I've done in my career to really grow my annual income and things that I suggest you think about as well. I also think it's important to know that I don't have a degree. I went to a three-year college program and I got, uh, what did I get? I think a advanced college diploma or something like that. All of this to say I don't have a degree, but that has not hindered my growth when it comes to my career and my ability to make money and have a great salary. Um, It's all about experience and how I network and, again, really make sure people know I'm someone who's great at my job, cares about my job, and somebody that people want to advocate for as much as I advocate for myself. I've now worked my way up to a position where I get an annual bonus that's 10% of my salary, which is a huge help to how I'm able to grow my annual savings as well. When I get this bonus, which isn't guaranteed, um, but I was lucky enough to get it last year at this job, I'm able to up how much I save or maybe I have a little bit extra I can put towards a trip or something to treat myself, but this is something that's come along as a perk to my current position and that's all because I've put in years and years of work to eventually make my way to be in a manager position. This actually made me think of two other things I wanted to make sure I mention. The first I already did but I want to mention it again is that my company or the company that I'm currently working for has an RSP match program. This is something I also think you should look into at the company you're currently working for because there's quite often some sort of financial perk, especially if you're working for a big corporation. So if it's RSP match, if it's deferred profit sharing, if it's maybe a stock incentive plan, Um, an employee stock purchase plan, like those sorts of things, there's often some sort of financial perk that you need to opt into as an employee. So like I mentioned, my uh, company does RSP matching. So if I'm contributing to a retirement savings plan, they will match a certain percent of that. So I get $200 a month through that program at my job. But 
For other companies, it might look slightly different. I just want to encourage you to do the research and to spend time with HR to learn about how to take advantage of these perks, sign up for them, do the paperwork, because it really is leaving money on the table if you're not taking advantage of that. The second thing I wanted to mention was when you get this surprise income throughout the year. So for me, that might be when I get my salary. It might also be when I get my tax refund. There might be other things throughout the year where you just are getting a little bit of extra income. What I think about this is it can be a great time to maybe add a little bit extra into your savings account. And I really do typically like to do that, especially when it's a large sum of or a large sum of income like my bonus is. I'll carve out some of it to go into my savings. But I also like to use that money to treat myself to something special. And that's because I know my bases are covered with the amount that I'm putting into my savings every month. This is money that I wasn't counting on for any bills. So it's nice to, you know, treat myself to something special with that money too. But that being said, knowing savings is a main thing that we're talking about this episode. It is nice when you do get some extra money to put some of it as extra into your your savings account. The next on the list is that I really prioritized paying off my student debt. I come from a family where debt is normalized. However, with that, I know how heavy it can weigh on you. I know how it can snowball if you don't take it seriously and aggressively pay it back. And it only becomes more and more of a burden on you as it grows. So I graduated college with $14,700 in student debt. And that was for my three-year college program. A lot of it was um, student loans that I had acquired through OSAP, which is our federal and provincial government assistance for post-secondary education. I did receive a couple thousand dollars um, from my parents, money they had inherited when inherited when a relative passed away and they invested into an RESP. So that was definitely helpful in keeping my student debt low. But like I said, I graduated with $14,700 in student debt. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I say I prioritized paying this back, what that looked like in my life was that I lived with roommates for many years post-grad in order to keep my living expenses low. 
I also had to pick up a second job. So I was working full-time in marketing and I also went back part-time to my retail job just to make as much money as I possibly could in a month. This enabled me to pay back the minimum on my student loans, but also to pay back the amount of interest I was acquiring. So I was paying back my student loans on a weekly basis and with those kind of more lifestyle um, sacrifices that I had to make by living with roommates, working with two jobs, I was able to pay back my student loans in one to two years. I say sacrifices to my lifestyle because ideally I probably would have loved to live on my own and I would have loved to only work one job. It's a shitty reality that I wasn't able to do that and pay back my student loans at the same time. In my eyes, it was short-term pain for long-term gain because I wanted these debts paid off as fast as possible. And to be honest, I would suggest people do it the same way. I feel like there's so many ways you can crunch the numbers to be like, it makes more sense to invest in you know, high-interest uh, accounts that'll give me more money back than I have to pay on my student loans. And there's so many ways to crunch the numbers. But at the end of the day, debt weighs so heavy on you that it's best for your mental state as well as your financial state to get rid of it as fast as you possibly can. If that means picking up a second job and having to sacrifice your weekends for a year, or if that means having to live with roommates for a few years in order to subsidize your living expenses, in my opinion, Do what you got to do to pay back the debt as fast as you can. This is the perfect transition because the next thing I wanted to talk about is credit cards. When it comes to credit cards, I try my very best to never carry a balance. Or in other words, I like to always make sure once a month I'm paying off the amount of money that has accumulated on my credit card over that month. So I very rarely have a zero balance since, you know, all these subscriptions are automatically charged there, whatever. But once a month, I'll look at how much money is on my credit card and I'll pay it off completely. I also really like the mindset of paying yourself first. So that might be applied to paying off my credit card before I go on a shopping spree, but it might also apply to if I had to dip into my savings account for any reason at all. There's usually once a year where I need to dip into my savings a little bit and that's after Christmas, but I make sure once I do have income that is technically disposable income, I'll make sure to pay myself first, put back the money that I borrowed from my savings account before I, again, go to Sephora or spend that money anywhere else. On the saving account side, I also think it's really helpful to use automatic transfers to your savings accounts. This is something I did when it came to my student debt. I made sure every single week there was a payment scheduled to come from my bank account and go on to my student debt. And it was so helpful and held me accountable to actually making those payments and making sure the money was always there and put towards what it should be put towards Um, and I just continue to use that logic even after my student debt was paid to redirect that money into my savings account. So now the day I get paid I have automatic transfers go into my savings account. Again it's just putting that money towards savings before I even have the chance to spend it on something else. 
It also really helps that the type of savings accounts that I'm using are hard to get that money out of. So I do have my emergency savings fund in a more easily accessible account. But when it comes to RSPs, these are accounts that are locked unless you're using that money for retirement. That's super helpful for me because I'm someone that when I have money, I will spend money. So it's great to know that I am putting my savings in a place where I cannot access it or cannot access it easily. The last thing that I think really helped me save money and continues to help me save money today is having an abundance mindset. So I know I already talked about this a bit at the beginning of this episode, but I thought it was a great place to wrap up this episode as well, is that if you believe you can do it, if you believe there's enough time and money to do it all, there definitely is. I think time and money are the two things that we stress about the most as we get older, but I've continuously proved to myself that there is enough time and money to do everything. I don't need to sacrifice one thing in order to get the other, or I don't need to sacrifice my lifestyle in order to save money and pay back my debt. I hope me sharing my experience also gives you guys that perspective as well. Right around the time I started changing my mindset around money, I was reading the book You're a Badass by Jen Sincero, and it's one of my favorite self-help books to this day, even if it is a little bit cheesy. But she talks all about the idea of manifesting, and she actually has a second book out called You're a Badass at Making Money. She has a few books out now, but I also read You're a Badass at Making Money, and it really resonated with me, and I think it really hit home this idea that there is enough time and money to do it all. But reading this and, you know seeing how I can do this all for myself, really help change my relationship with money, really help break that generational trauma of viewing money as a bad thing that I was talking about. And to be honest, I still feel like there's times where when I really think about how I have a trip coming up and how I like to shop and still have to pay my rent sometimes I do freak myself out and be like, how do I manage to do it all? But the best answer I can come up with is that I know that I can and that I believe that there's a way it's all going to work out. So there's so much power to your mindset. I definitely recommend you check out those books that I was just talking about. We've also had a money mindset coach on the podcast before. Her name is Vanessa and she's the founder of Mintworthy. So go give that episode a listen or check her out on Instagram if all of this is resonating with you. But there's just a lot of power in your mindset. So something to think about and potentially work on in your own life and your own relationship with money as well. All right, that is everything I wanted to share with you guys. I hope this episode was interesting and insightful and maybe even inspiring to you. Um, Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it, especially on these solo episodes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We put out a new episode every single Tuesday. Tegan will be back next week, so make sure you are subscribed and following us on whatever app you're listening to this episode now. Also, leave us a review and a rating if you so please. That helps us out more than you could imagine. We're also on social media at Our Golden 20s. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Pinterest, 
all the social channels. So go give us a follow there. You can also find us on Patreon, which is the best way to support the podcast for as little as $2 a month. So thank you guys again so much for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday.